Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Rivers of Living Water is here to turn our thirsty world into a Garden of Eden, freely pouring out the Word of God to our desolate world. Now, here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Welcome to our program today. We appreciate you joining us and trust that what we say today will be a great blessing to you. We've, we're going to be studying, reading and studying the Sermon on the Mount, or is also called the Olivet Discord. And it's in Matthew chapter 5 and goes through to chapter 7. So we're going to cover as much as we can today on, on this. You know, there's so much today that uh, is false that we follow it. It's either following a rabbit trail or, or it leads us into a way that we really don't want to go. And in order to really keep our lives in a place where we can have joy and peace and all the fruit of the Spirit, which we refer to as the rivers of living water on this program. But in order to have those things, they don't come automatic. We have to adjust our lives uh, even better than that. We need to let God adjust our lives in such a way that we line up with what God wants for us. Because the Bible teaches us that the Son is the one that sets us free. And then goes down a little further and says, it's the truth that sets us free. And so if we are not free, even though sometimes we think we are, don't we? We think that, that we're uh, really free when we're away from God and, and we don't listen to anyone else. And, and so we can just be free to do what we want to. Well, if we go very long in that kind of a way, we'll find out that that doesn't satisfy and it usually leads us in a way that we would wish that we had never been in. And then we get trapped into that and wondering just how we're going to get out of it. And it gets rather depressing. And as I walk down the street and associate with different people, it looks to me like there's not an awful lot of joy, that people are rather depressed today. And so... In order for us to bring back the song in our hearts and lives and bring back the joy and the peace and the good things that God wants us to have, we have to love God. And God has told us uh, that if we love him, we'll keep his commandments. You see, Jesus is God. And so when we're talking about being a Christian, it's not about me or about you or anyone else, or anything else. It's about the Lord Jesus Christ. So if we're going to follow Jesus, we're going to have to find out what it is that Jesus wants us to do. If we're going to be one of his disciples, then we're going to have to let Jesus disciple us. We're going to have to let him lead us, show us what to do, when to do, how to do it, where to do it, and so on. And this is so far from what most of the world would tell you. Most of the world would tell you to find yourself. Well, I've seen that when people find themselves, 
a lot of times they don't like what they find. So what we really need to do is find God. And God isn't too far away. There's no problem in finding him. He's been seeking the lost for a long time, and he's still seeking us today. So in order for us to really get in a position where we can see the joy restored in our lives, and if you've never had any joy and peace, then uh, this is really for you today because it's going to show you how to have the fruit of the Spirit, the rivers of living water flowing out from your life and, and coming into your life. You see, if we don't have anything in there, then nothing can come out. And so God wants to pour the blessings upon us, and then we can bless others, and we can be a blessing to God and to ourselves as well. So let's get right into uh, the Scripture and go to Matthew. Get yourself a Bible and go to Matthew chapter 5, Matthew's first book in the New Testament, and uh, we'll just go down as far as we can in these scriptures and see what we can find that will be a, a blessing and a help to us. And I want you to think as we go through this that you say, yes, Lord, every time the Lord shows you something to do. And um, say, thank you, Jesus, for showing me. And you'll be amazed what happens in just a short period of time. Life is just as complicated as we make it. But if we're willing to take it at the simple level that God wants us to have it, then it can be really a joy. It can be a real satisfaction. We can have a real contentment that we can't find anywhere else. People have looked here, there, and yonder to find happiness, to find contentment, and it always runs up to a dead-end street. But when we really let God come into our lives and and be the Lord and the Savior that He wants us to be, wants to be, then we'll find what we've been looking for all along. And so we start out in verse number three, and it's these uh, first verses are called the Beatitude. So it says, "Blessed are the poor in spirit, for theirs is the kingdom of God." So, people are blessed. They're happy. That's what the word means. Happy are those. Or rejoicing are those. Or uh, those that are poor in spirit. Those that realize that their life is in a mess. They, they're not running around haughty and proud and arrogant and saying, uh, such things as I don't need God and I don't need other people's help. I can do this myself. Uh, Self-made people usually don't work out too well. So we need to humble ourselves under the Lord. That's what being poor in the spirit is. That doesn't mean you're uh, bankrupt or that you're you don't have anything. You do, but you have to to realize that outside of God, you can't do much as far as having a contented life is concerned. So those are the ones that have the kingdom 
of heaven. Now, the kingdom of heaven is the Christian life. It's the kingdom of heaven, Jesus told us, is within us when we let Jesus come in. You see where the king is at, that's where the kingdom is at. And we, if we let Jesus be the king of our lives, if we let him sit on the throne of our life, then that's where God's kingdom is at. It's inside of us. And then the next one is, Blessed are they that mourn, for they shall be comforted. And this is, again, talking about just not being sad. It's talking about mourning over our sins, mourning over the fact that we don't have God in our lives. It's it's a being sorry for the way that we have lived. That's This is what it's talking about on this morning. You know, a lot of people are mourning today, and the Bible teaches us that if we have God out of our lives and we have tyrants ruling our lives, then we are all people most miserable. It says when the wicked rule, then the people mourn. And people are in mourning today because we do have wicked people that are ruling, that are trying to take God out of everything in our lives. And, and the more that happens, the more miserable we become. But if we will mourn over our sinful condition and be willing to admit that we're helpless, then we can find the real help and uh, we can be comforted. When we mourn, God wants to comfort us. He wants to give us something in our lives that will make us happy and joyful. He doesn't get any pleasure out of us being miserable. So when we mourn over our lost condition, then we will surely find the comfort that God has for us. And then the next one is, Blessed are the meek, for they shall inherit the earth. The Bible many places shows us that the meek are the ones that inherit the earth. Now, meekness is not weakness. Meekness is willing to submit yourself to the ways of God. It's willing. It's a willingness to say, I'm not going to do this my way. I'll do it the way that he wants to, and I'm going to follow what he tells me to do. That's what it means for us to be meek. And we will inherit the earth. It's not the people that run around stepping over everyone else and and uh, tearing up everything that's in their midst and that kind of people that are going to inherit the earth because they're short-lived. They might come like a flash of lightning, but they go the same way. Then it's those that, that follow the Lord that endure to the end. So we're upon our first break, and uh, so this is Howard Eugene Wright and you're listening to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Now, more Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. Welcome back. 
I trust that you will be blessed, and you will be if you will do what God wants you to do, because God wants to bless us today. We're talking about the Sermon on the Mount, and we're um, going through the Beatitudes, or the blessings that God start out his message with. When Jesus preaches to us, it's always a blessing. It's always an encouragement. It's always something that's going to do us good. Because Jesus went about healing all that were oppressed of the devil and was preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And so we find this happening right here in this scripture. And so it says that in the next uh, one, in verse number 6, it says, Blessed are they that do hunger and thirst after righteousness, for they shall be filled. So this is kind of a progression thing. See, first you're, you have a poor spirit. That means that you realize you can't save yourselves. And then you mourn. You're, you're sorry for the sins that you've committed. Then the next thing is, in meekness, you humble yourself before the Lord and and uh, let him f- supply your need for you. Then, after that, you're going to hunger and thirst after righteousness. You're going to want to do what's right. It isn't that you're going to force yourself into it, because the Bible teaches us that we become new creatures in Christ. Old things pass away and all things become new. So this is entering in into a new life, a brand new life that you only have through the Lord Jesus Christ. So you hunger and thirst after righteousness, and you're filled with what you hunger for. God doesn't do just the opposite of what you ask. The devil is a hard taskmaster. He'll... Just mash you up good. You ask for something good, he'll give you something bad every time. He'll make it look good, but underneath of it, it isn't any good. But when we hunger and thirst after righteousness, when that becomes the thing that we want to do more than anything else is to love and serve God, then we will feel, be filled with his righteousness. We'll be filled with love, joy, and peace that we've been talking about. And so that's the next thing. And then it says, Blessed are the merciful, for they shall obtain mercy. So after we have gotten to the Lord through these steps that we're talking about today, through the Beatitudes, then we're merciful. We are willing to overlook the mistakes and and even the sins of others. Now, that doesn't mean that we approve of all the wickedness that's going on in this world, because we don't. But we realize that if it wasn't for the grace of God, we could be just in the same place that those people are that are living detestable lives today. So we're merciful to the people. We're not merciful to what is what they're doing that is, is destroying them and destroying everything around them, but we are merciful to the people. We're willing to present the message of Christ to anyone that will listen to it. We don't take distinctions. We don't say, well, this one's for 
for you, but this is not for you, so head down the road. We're willing to give the message of Christ, and that's the most merciful thing we can do, is to show people the truth, which will set them free. So we find that those that are merciful, those are the ones that obtain mercy. We'll find out later that it's those people who are willing to forgive that are forgiven. And so if we are merciful and we're not cruel and things like that would be of that nature, then we'll find mercy. Life is a lot easier when we're not fighting everyone and everything around it. When we're willing just to lean back, relax in the Lord, and take life as it is. Not to worry about the future, not to moan about the past, but just take every day as it comes and uh, love people, love God, and you'll be amazed what can happen. Some of the worst things that are happening in our lives today is because we have a spiteful attitude. We have, we're not forgiving anyone. I, you've heard it said before, I just can't forgive a person of that. I don't know how God could forgive them. And such statements as that. Well, God is willing to forgive. And so we need to be willing to forgive. We shouldn't be holding resentments in our lives. We should just, uh, communicate with people in a, the way that we would want people to communicate with us. Okay. Now the, the next thing in our list is verse eight. And it says, blessed are the pure in heart, for they shall see God. Now, the pure in heart are those who have been cleansed from the old carnal nature inside of us. And the the Lord can take that old thing out. You know, there's so many people today that say, well, I've just got to live with it. If you want to, you can. And just battle it every day you want to. But God has provided for us a way that we can be pure in heart. Matter of fact, the Bible teaches us that uh, we have a pure heart, we have a good conscience, and we have a strong abiding faith. And that's really what the love of God does for us when it's shed abroad in our lives by the Holy Spirit. Then we have this this overflowing of, of love and goodness and grace and everything that, that comes from the Lord and goes out from us. You can tell a, a real Christian pretty fast when they get into a bad situation, see what they do. And um, the heart is deceitful before it becomes pure, before we allow God to come in and purify our heart. We can't purify our heart. There's some people who think, well, as long as I live a good moral life, God ought to be pleased with that. That is fine that you're living a good moral life. I wouldn't want you to live otherwise. But you've got to go farther than that. You've got to let God purify your heart. And the Bible teaches us the blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son, cleanses us from all unrighteousness and cleanses us from all sin. So when that happens, we have a pure heart and we can see God. People say, I just can't see God, and I can't see him in anything. There was 
an astronaut that went up from Russia and looked around. He said, I don't see God anywhere here. One of our fellows, which was a Christian, went up and he said, I see God everywhere here. And so if you don't have a pure heart, you won't see God in anything. But if you do have a pure heart, then it's no problem seeing God. The Bible never at one time tries to prove that God exists. And because he does exist, it's quite evident all around us. But, you know, uh, we can have a pure heart only as we are willing to yield to God, to give our whole life to him, give our time, our talents, our treasures, and everything else that's his, and anything that's in God's hands is in good hands. Anything that's in people's hands, in our hands, in the devil's hands, is in a pretty bad place. So we need to put our lives in the hands of God at his mercy and let him shed his love toward us and bring us into a loving relationship with him. So if you have a pure heart, you will see God. Then he goes on in verse 9 and says, Blessed are the peacemakers, for they shall be called the children of God. Peacemakers are the children of God. We have a lot of peace movements today, don't we? Trying to make peace. The Bible tells us that when they say peace, peace, sudden destruction comes upon them. We're not talking about getting a along with with wickedness and all that's around it. When we're talking about peace, we're not talking about compromising our convictions. We're talking about, first of all, peace in, that Jesus gives us, the, the uh, peace that the world can't give and the world can't take away. We have the peace in our heart when we have the fruit of the Spirit there. So from that peace... And first of all, we made peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. So we, we're talking about making peace with God. We're talking about living at peace with our neighbors and with our enemies as well as our friends. As much as the Bible tells us, as much as lies in you, live peacefully with all men. So we need to live at peace. And, and it says that, People that are like that are the children of God. Now, just because people are out there trying to make peace, trying to reconcile maybe this nation with another nation or something like that, that doesn't mean that those people are children of God. But when we surrender our lives to the Lord as we've been going down through these Beatitudes, and uh, we then are become a new creature in Christ, Jesus and old things pass away, like we've said, all things become new, then we are at peace. We've made peace. We make our peace with God first, and then we make our peace with other people. But before we can make our peace with God, we have to forgive others. We have to quit resenting others. So it kind of works together, you see. One complements the other. So... uh the only way we can really have peace with ourselves, with God and with others, is to let the Lord come into our lives and shed his love abroad in our lives. Then we will have the peace. 
And he says, peacemakers, people that are making peace are those that are going out and doing just what I'm right, right now doing, telling you about the Lord, telling you how you can have peace with God, telling you how that you can have peace with yourself through the Lord and everything. And those are the ones that are called the children of God, the ones who have turned away from sin and darkness and have turned to the Savior and let Jesus come into their lives and let the Spirit and have control of their lives, then those are the children of God, not everyone. Some people would like for you to think that everyone is a child of God. But Jesus talked to a group of people that was denying him, and he said, your father is, is the devil, and he's the one that you're following. So there has to be a time in our lives when we forsake the world, the flesh, and the devil, and we turn to God with all of our lives and let him be our Savior and Lord. I, I'm upon my second break. So this is Howard Eugene Wright at Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Welcome back to Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Here's your host, Howard Eugene Wright. Thank you for staying with us. I trust that you're going to understand the Beatitudes or the blessings of the Lord here in a, in a different way and in a way that maybe makes a little more sense to you than what it would have otherwise. Because, you know... Um, if we take these scriptures wrong, we can come up with all kinds of things, and we need to think of it the way that God would think of it and the way God wants us to think of it. And so that's what we're trying to do today is, is to show you just that. So we're at verse 11 in the Beatitudes, and so uh, this says, Blessed are you. When men shall revile you and persecute you and shall say all manner of evil against you falsely for my name's sake. Next verse, rejoice and be exceeding glad for great is your reward in heaven for so persecuted they the prophets which were before you. So we see here that God puts a blessing on those that are persecuted for righteousness sake. Now, if you're being persecuted for something else, this blessing does not apply. It was just stupidity on your part or something like that. But if you're being persecuted because you're serving God, because you love Jesus, you know, Jesus said that if they don't love me, they won't love you either. If they hate me, they'll hate you also. And so uh, I don't know why it is, but it seems like that when People run into a Christian. They they want to give them a hard time of it. There's people in, in our world that are facing persecution right now. They're in prisons. They're, they've even been murdered in cold blood and things like this for one reason only, and that is because they love God. They're serving God. I just can't understand that. It's a mystery that people who the whole message 
of Christianity is loving God and loving people and going about doing good and things like this. Why would anyone hate that? And the only reason that I can see is because these people want to be in charge. And when people say we ought to obey God rather than man, it kind of raises up their dander, and they don't exactly appreciate that because they want to be God. They want to lord it over you. And so you come along and you say that you should be loving God and you shouldn't be brutalizing people and and you should be uh, have an orderly family life and so on and so forth. And certain people don't exactly appreciate that and they will persecute you. They'll do all kinds of wicked things to you. They'll misrepresent it, misrepresent you, which it says here, you know, they'll say all kinds of evil against you falsely. And you do it, they do it for Jesus' sake. He says, for my sake. That's another thing. If we're doing it for something else, then this one doesn't apply either. But if we're doing these because we love Jesus and we want to see the message of Christ go to everyone and uh, another thing they don't exactly appreciate is when we say that Jesus is the only way. And But, you know, there's a number of reasons why we might be persecuted as Christians, even though the way of, of the Lord Jesus is the most blessed way in the whole world, yet people will do everything they can to shut you up. And we have this right here in our own country. And... Uh, most places in the world are this way today. They don't want to hear about Jesus. The, the majority of the people want to listen to anything else except that. But those who will step out for God and, and be willing to do things for Jesus' sake and not to obey man, but to obey God, then there's a blessing upon them. They can rejoice and be exceedingly glad. We can rejoice to know that we're right with God. We can know that we're on the right track. We can rejoice because we know that what we're doing is helping others. And there's a number of reasons why we can rejoice. But one reason is we can rejoice because we know our names are written in the Lamb's Book of Life, that we have eternal life in Christ Jesus. And it's a blessed most blessed life that we could ever have. So these are the Beatitudes. And so I want you to take a look at this and and to realize that the Beatitudes is leading you into a, a relationship with God. Now, we don't see him, hear him, smell him, or anything like that. But you can also, you can have a relationship with him. You can feel his presence. You can know that he's near. You can see him working in your life, working in other people's lives, and you know that he is right there by you. You can talk to him. You can walk with him. You can uh, be with him 24 hours a day, seven days a week. You can feel his comfort, his strength, and his guidance in areas that you might just want to know exactly how to do it. So there's so many things that, that God gives you when you're willing to go this way. 
So Jesus' first message is to get people to repent and come to the Lord Jesus Christ through him. Now, once the person has done that, there are certain things in our lives that change and need to change. I won't get through all of these. That's quite evident. But we'll get started. And one of the things is that Christians, God's disciples, Jesus' disciples, is the light is the salt of the earth. We find this in verse 13 of uh, Matthew 5. You are the salt of the earth. And if, but if the salt has lost its savor, wherewith shall it be salted? It is thenceforth good for nothing but to be cast out and trodden under the foot of man. So what does salt do? Sometimes it can be pretty bad on a sore. If you put um, salt on a sore place, uh, you'll probably be dancing around a little while. It's not going to be a pleasant situation. So as a salt, sometimes we just rub the wrong way on people because of we say, well, this you shouldn't be doing this, you should be doing this. Just like I'm saying now, it kind of rubs the wrong way. But also, salt is a preservative. We salt things to preserve them. So our job as Christians is to uphold the truth as it is in Christ and to shed light in this dark world of ours. Jesus is the light of the world, and we are reflectors of his light. As we live a holy life, we shun the wrong things and we walk in the right things through the power of God, not in our own strength, but in God's strength, we're able to do this. So we're the salt. We irritate things sometimes and, you know, we stand up for what's going to be the best for people and not what just might be convenient at the time. We look at the long run as well as the short run and things like this. So we're the light, we're the salt. And then next verse, it says, you're the light of the world. A city that is set on a hill cannot be hid. Neither do men light a candle and put it under a bushel basket, but on a candlestick gives light unto all that are in the house. So a Christian ought to be enlightening in his society. His life ought to prove it, and, you know, it ought to match what we're talking about. We we ought to be uh, the light that way. We're reflectors of God's light. We don't hide it. We're not ashamed of the gospel of Christ. It's the power of God to salvation to everyone that believes. The Bible teaches it. So we don't hide our, our way of, of life. We don't try to get along. We don't compromise. We just... Put it out there like it is, just like I am right now. And he says that we uh, we shouldn't hide it. We should go into all the world and give people the good news that they can know God and they can know his love and his grace and everything. So you're the light of the world. And then he says, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works and glorify your Father which is in heaven. Now, we don't let them see our good works just so we can brag about it. But we let them see the, our lives so that they can realize that if I can do it, you can do it too. If God can give me the grace to do what I'm doing, 
as weak as I am, then he can do it for you too. So we let them see our good works so that they will glorify our Father which is in heaven because they realize they can't do it in their own strength and we're just like they are, so they know we're not doing it in our own strength. So they realize that God is doing it through them and they glorify God. They they love God because of what he's doing in that person's life. So that's the reason why that we're the light of the world, is that people will glorify God through what we're doing. We don't have to come around and brag about it all the time. I've, I've been a Christian for a long time, but that doesn't make any difference. You can be a Christian just right now, or just a young Christian, maybe older than I am, and what have you. It's not the age. It's how we're living every day, what we're doing with what God gives us, how we're using our time, our talents, and our treasures. And so here we are upon a, uh, our break again. And so I'm Howard Eugene Wright and hosting Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. This is Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com with your host, Howard Wright. So I was talking to you as we came into the next part of our program that uh, we might think that we have uh, a good Christian life and now we can do anything we want to, and and uh, once we're saved, it doesn't make any difference what we do. We're we're sure of going to heaven and things like that. But that's not the way that it works. When we really become a Christian, we don't forsake the law, and we're going to find out in the next verses here. It says uh, in verse 17 of Matthew 5, it says, Think not that I am come to destroy the law, or the prophets, I am not come to destroy, but to fulfill. Jesus is the fulfillment of everything that's in the Bible. He says, For verily I say unto you, till heaven and earth pass, one jot or one tittle shall in no wise pass from the law, till all be fulfilled. Whosoever therefore shall break one of these least commandments, and shall teach men so, he shall be called the least in the kingdom of heaven. But whosoever will uh, shall do and teach them, the same shall be called great in the kingdom of heaven. For I say unto you that except your righteousness shall exceed the righteousness of the scribes and Pharisees, you shall in no case enter into the kingdom of heaven. And when he's talking about entering into the kingdom of heaven, he's talking about going into heaven. And like I told you at the beginning of our program, that that uh, heaven is within us. The kingdom of God is within us. Where the king is at, that's where the kingdom is at. And God lives within us through the Holy Spirit. He tabernacles inside of us. So uh, God is not lawless. He's put down laws. 
and he expects us to follow them. If we try to do it in our own way, we won't be able to manage. But if we'll do it in God's way, we will be doing just fine. But he says, the people who go around and try to get you, and these people are in the church, and they'll say, well, that was okay back there, but we don't have to worry about the Ten Commandments today. We don't have to worry about all those rules that are in the Bible. We're uh, Grace uh, has saved us, and, and we're under grace. We're not under the law. Well, in a sense, you're not under the law in the fact that that's going to save you. But And you are under grace, and we're not saved by works. We're so saved by grace. But when we really become a Christian, then we have the righteousness of Christ abiding in it. We have the Holy Spirit giving us the love of God that that's shed abroad in our heart by God's Holy Spirit. And, and so uh, if we have love, if we love God and we love others, we're just naturally going to keep these commandments. And if we don't, we're not really Christians. We'll find out later that by their fruit you can tell them. So if we have fruit of all the different wicked things that the Bible goes against, we're not Christians, regardless of what we call ourselves. It isn't our profession that really makes a difference. It's what we have, what we possess, what's inside of us. And whatever's inside of us is going to come out of us one way or another. So he says that if people try to tell you, now you're not under the law now, you don't have to follow that. So if you want to go out and commit adultery, if you want to go out and be a homosexual, be an abortionist, be all these things that are destructive to yourself and to others, uh, it's okay because you're under grace. You can be a Christian. I'm not going to labor on this, but I think you get the point. And so he says, uh, you have heard, and this is verse 21, you have heard that it was said to you of old, you shall not kill, and whosoever shall kill shall be in danger of the judgment. And it's a fearful thing to fall into the hands of a living God. And what he's talking about is, if you go out murdering people and uh, things like this, then you're going to face the judgment, and it's not going to be a pretty picture. He says, uh, but I say unto you, that whosoever is angry with his brother without a cause shall be in danger of the judgment. And whosoever shall say to his brother, Reka, which is really saying a fool, uh, you shall be in danger of the council. But whosoever shall say, you fool, or uh, then you'll be in danger of hell far. Actually, the truth of the matter is, if you do any of that, you'll be in danger of hell far. And there is a hell to shine and a heaven to gain. And so he's he's laying it out here. And this is, remember, this is not me. This is Jesus that's laying this out. And so it would be good if we would follow that. And then he says, therefore, if you bring your gifts to the altar and you remember that you have something against your neighbor, against your brother, then you leave your gift there at the altar and you go and get things right with God. That's in the next verses. And he says if if you're at an adverse and if you have an adversary, it's says agree with him quickly. 
make things right with the people that that you've wronged or and and make sure that you make them right as soon as you can as quick as you can before you end up in a mess that you wished you'd never been in that's really what these verses are talking about when it's talking about uh, that you shouldn't kill you know you can kill a person's reputation just as fast as you can kill the person and so we got to be careful we are our brother's keeper we we are to be supportive of one another and not be running around tearing everything down, tearing down our society and everything else. Those are not people that are going to be blessed of God, and they're probably the most miserable people in the world. And so don't be a part of that. And then another thing, and I'm just going to, uh, I think what I'm going to do is uh, continue this study in the book of Matthew with with the uh, for a few weeks because I think it's important that we understand and realize just exactly what God expects of us and what we can expect of ourselves when we really are loving and serving God. You see, there is a dividing line between light and darkness, and there is a way that seems right to a person, but it might be the way of death. So we need to think about this so... And then when you're talking about my book, uh, I want to say this before I get off this morning, that it is international-lighthouse-ministries.com. The Deceitful Masters has been changed to this website, and I'm sure that eventually we'll get it changed back to where it, it should be. But right now... If you are interested in the books that you've been hearing about, you can get them on Amazon.com, too. We're at the close of our meeting today, and and I want to thank you for being a part of this and, and trust that you'll uh, read the Sermon on the Mount, uh, Matthew uh, 5 to 7, chapters 5 to 7. Well, may the Lord bless you and keep you this week, and may you may you just feel the love of God all around you. And so I'm signing off for this week, and my name is Howard Eugene Wright. I'm hosting Rivers of Living Water on TalkZone.com. Mm-hmm.